0: Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt, and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Five, four, three, two, one. Johnny, we are in, and Man United are losing 1 0 to Arsenal.
1: Yes, that is unfortunate. However, there is a long left 60 minutes left, something like that. Could that, be 2 0. Could have been 2 0.
0: Um, yeah, it doesn't mean a lot when Arsenal won a up. let's be honest. They can easily turn that around. Although, it's Man United.
1: Yeah, that is true. 2 think <laughs> a crap teams. Actually,
0: since they... Was it Wolves? I think they, like, they lose 2-0 to Watford. They lost 2-0 to Watford, didn't they? They've actually won the last couple since then, haven't they? Yeah.
1: they won all since then. Yeah. What's they?
0: Problem is, I think they'll struggle against the best, better teams, United. They might be able to grind out some results against some of the poorer outfits. But... Um, I do think when they come up against kind of like the, the top three or four or five they're going to struggle
1: well, they beat them all apart from of Liverpool which is odd they'll they'll sit back and they batter oh,
0: them to be fair they did beat Man City didn't they yeah I remember
1: watching that but the only the only point Liverpool dropped the season against Manic did yeah we were I remember watching that game mate.
0: Yep. we were fucking appalling Liverpool were terrible I don't What's know what like? it I don't know
1: what so, it is bottlers yeah, I do think it's
0: psychological. I think it's something about going to Old Trafford. I remember the I can't remember if it was. It actually, might have been your man Roy Keane. I think he said like sometimes there's certain teams where he knew when he was playing that they would they would almost feel like their loss before they even started playing because of just you know Old Trafford and the reputation that they have at the time and stuff. I think there's something in that. Like I remember last year we went to Old Trafford towards the end of the season. I was like we, we honestly should have turned you over four or five 0 if we'd played anywhere near what we're capable of, especially because. One, you were you were very poor. Two, I think that was that game you had like three injuries in the first half, um, and had to make three substitutions. And I was thinking we should easily win four five nil here, but we were fucking appalling. And it's, it's almost the same this year in that I just thought if we'd have played anywhere near how well we could do, we should have easily scored two three or four. But Didn't happen, did it, mate? Didn't happen.
1: It doesn't it? Doesn't? It never works again. It's you very rarely see two teams at playing at their absolute best against each other because. No. Or the, the other team will always say if they lost, we didn't play our best. Not actually, they were better and stopped us playing totally. Yeah, this, that's yeah. always the case. And it's like, oh, we play shit, but they played well, or, or no team, no two teams played well together you know
0: what I mean it is quite often where you get like a fixture that comes up where you think like I don't know again you might get a Man City Liverpool fixture or, or you know like Manchester or whatever fixture you might get one think this is going to be a cracker two brilliant teams be it ends up being a right letdown because like you say either one or, or both of the teams end up just playing shit or playing like like the United Liverpool games just end up just being really lacklustre and both teams really kind of defensive don't want to lose that type of behaviour yeah. not much to watch as a fan
1: which is how it, is on
0: here, I it is how it is, but um, so obviously, if anyone hasn't determined, so it must be what Tuesday, Wednesday night? Was it New Year's Day? New Year's no Day one. football. Um, when we are recording, ready for so this will be out on Monday, the six, six. Sounds about right.
1: So, yeah' gotta be that. Gotta be that. Hasn't it? Yeah, I would say so. Um, so, yeah, every day is just rolls into one and nobody knows what day it is yeah. or day or anything well yep. day even not day though
0: don't know what day of the week is like is it a Saturday is it a Thursday you must get all that with shift work sometimes right
1: well I do sometimes I must to ask what day it is because I don't know does yeah. not inform for office like well what day is it especially if I do overtime as well I mean work morning out it's like well what's going on yeah like mm. Mm. <clears throat> struggle yeah.
0: Oh well, um, how the f- how the devil are you other than the football result, then, my man?
1: i not been too bad actually, really. It's all been uh, it's been pretty good, really. Kind of managed to get a few training sessions over Christmas? Yeah. Even my gym has been only open nine till twelve, which is annoying. However, oh. it's an independent gym; it's not a big chain gym.
0: So, so it it's only three hours.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. So I've had to go and train where normally we'd you know I'd go whenever I want to really. I had to go in the morning all the time. Not that I mind, but like sometimes you want to do stuff and I couldn't go, which is annoying. But mm. I didn't kick the ass over this either. Mm. No, however, I do, if I've gone from dieting and I go to like, let's just say maintenance, I will gain a riffing amount of water weight. Like Christmas Day, probably at about 4,000 calories, roughly, right? And I was 14.5 Christmas Eve and I was 15.2 the next day. Boxing day.
0: 14.5, 15.2 so you put on 13 pounds?
1: Yeah. Was that about then? Wow. Yeah. And I'm like I get you get blocked but I get like extreme blocked in and it's like whoa. I and I didn't like I fasted pretty much to like one o'clock at dinner time at dinner at one dessert and then add like bits i'm not talking like big bits little bits like a mince pie you and all that that. super i'm saying four thousand might have been less but i get mega in if i eat well and eat it's not shit to it but a lot of volume a lot of fiber and then a bit of shit on top i just get mega bloated. just like sewer not fucking right
0: well mm. that is quite well it's certainly on the extreme end of what i've kind of Personal experience with me or clients. I'm not gonna lie, that's quite but, quite some increase after one day. Fucking. Hell. well what
1: happens? I've got like I've like a little of um, a over Christmas end. So I'm in like two seven to eight calories. My weight will stay up there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it'll take a week or two to come back. Maybe. You know it's the same. It's the same. I've I'm I am changed. Just obviously been more water. Like. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I mean. Logically, if you know you didn't eat, I mean, I can't even do the math. So, what was it? Sorry, what was it? 12, 13, 14, 5 to fourteen, two. something like that. Did you say 14, 14 5, 14, 6, whatever I mean, it was, to 15, 2? Right, okay, so what's that? That's just 11 pounds odd then. So, 11 pounds would be something like, I don't know, 40,000 calories extra you'd have to consume over your maintenance that day. So, obviously, we know that didn't happen because you'd know nope. if you ate 40,000 calories. So, you could for any, obviously if anyone listening's kind of had similar uh outcomes <laughs> and putting on a few pounds over christmas um you could even work the mass out in that way to say like a, a pound of fat is equivalent of about 3500 calories so to put on a pound of body fat you'd have to overeat by 3500 calories on top of your maintenance for that day um even that's kind of rough estimates and not really overly accurate but when you're talking like 11 pounds, that is obviously like say not far off 40,000 calories, and you know you didn't do that, so you can straight away appease yourself and feel a bit better about it by knowing it's definitely not body fat, or the majority oh, is
1: definitely not body fat. I just think oh, it was a mental amount of water to, to gain, like you know what I mean. It is.
0: Well, I mean, obviously you're going to probably have like if you've been dieting, you're going to be low on glycogen, like um, yeah. chronically. So obviously you're going to see some acute refill of glycogen. We know obviously one gram of glycogen stores with up to four grams of water. So that's five grams for every gram of, gly- or one gram and four grams of water for obviously glycogen storage and water. You're probably going to get some subcutaneous water and, and intracellular water from um, like sodium increases, probably, because I guess you're going to be eating more salt because you want to eat more food in general and probably the types of food you're eating more processed and more salt. So, but even still, though, that's some going, mate. Even with all of those factors, even if you haven't had a big poo, 11 pounds is quite the extreme, extreme mm. amount.
1: Even yeah, but then like the, the, the day after. Box I made sure I fasted for a bit I fasted about 2 o'clock yeah. I had a dinner it wasn't a big dinner I deliberately went right I'm feeling a bit bloated so I want to have a big dinner I have a, a relatively say small say medium sized dinner I was just full of fibre again it, so I felt bloated straight away however the next day after that I was 49 again okay. but then, now I've gone back to like eating a diet break like, it'll go back and hover around 15 15 yeah well work it with a lot yeah I,
0: I I think I mean obviously it's not to maybe to that extreme, but um, I had this conversation with a client actually uh well, not a conversation, it was via a check in but um i I kind of brought up this type of scenario with them because they got back from holiday um and we were, I can't remember really how the context came about now because it was a few weeks ago, but basically i I kind of explained to them that often people feel like they've ruined their progress in a couple of days when they go on holiday bit like what you are saying because if you're chronically dieting or if you're dieting for a holiday which a lot of people do they'll feel like oh yeah i go away and hold and i've got a really good physique because i've got the, you know i've dieted and i've not got the abs out, or whatever and then a couple of days of eating higher carbs higher sodium higher food volume um less activity can often then mean that you just hold on so much body water it, both like intracellular and obviously under the skin and subcutaneously and stuff like that, it does then make you look and feel really like watery or bloated. And all of a sudden you can what look like a decently shredded physique and turn into like really watery and like, oh my God, i put on loads of weight, when it's not because you can come back from holiday and just let things settle after a couple of days, go back to normal eating. And normally that water would dissipate and you're, you're kind of looking back to, to, to where you were. But obviously it can feel like you're ruining progress in a couple of days when in reality it is just
1: water. The when you, when you... The only way that doesn't happen is if you are real, real shredded. So when you do eat and fill you look better.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically you're so shredded that your, your I suppose, like glycogen storage and, and kind of like your your cells that hold your water just soak it all up and, like I say, you just look bigger and fuller and actually you can draw water away from the skin into the muscles sometimes as well, depending upon, which is obviously, I guess, some of the protocols that you use when you're on bodybuilding stage and stuff like that.
1: Mm so for so, like normal people of normal body fat levels it just makes you look worse isn't it
0: yeah i mean i get i don't know the physiology physiology of this but i guess obviously if you've kind of got more body fat and more body fat cells um there's more place for water to hold potentially so obviously there was this kind of like theory of a whoosh effect in that there used to be a case of because scale weight isn't linear and you often see these kind of like peaks of of uh, like weight loss and then all of a sudden you see a massive suddenly a rush of weight loss I think La McDonald came up with the concept of the whoosh effect where he thought that as uh, um, adipose was kind of disappearing from adipose so fat cells, the fat was being replaced with water so you wouldn't actually see any difference in scale weight but all of a sudden the water would dissipate and then all of a sudden you see this massive drop on scale and I don't like obviously that kind of this theory of like body fat holding water basically or fat cells on water i don't know whether for physiology because i think the whoosh effect is kind of a theory and not in any way proven and most people say actually i don't think it is the case of that's what explains the whoosh effect or not but maybe it is a case of there are some some physiology where if you do if you are on the bigger side or you've been fatter and you've got more fat cells because you you know fat cells don't necessarily just disappear when you lose fat they just empty <clears throat> maybe there is more space and therefore when you kind of do the things we've talked about where overeat in short periods and have more sodium and stuff, maybe you do hold water a lot easier than someone that's never been overweight.
1: Makes sense, doesn't it? Well, yeah. it sounds like
0: it makes sense, it? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously we've not studied that, that part of the physiology. So I don't know the answer, but, um, I would say anecdotally that probably makes sense with, with me, with, with some of the clients I had that have been formerly overweight. Um, they, I think a lot of those tend to hold on to water a lot easier than, than people that maybe that haven't been. So, whether that's a physiology or not i suppose it's, it's kind of there's some anecdote there that might be a case of the end outcome is you know more transient water in terms of you know holding water and then it dissipates and stuff
1: well if you need it happen so it doesn't mean you need to know the, the reason why this happens so. or well as long as
0: you know it happens and then you can
1: basically, it
0: it yeah because the, the, the reason obviously it's important to know this type of stuff is basically to cure anxiety around scale weight and stuff like that because like in your case if you weren't kind of more educated and, and kind of had a more level head on this type of stuff you would freak the fuck out thinking oh my god I've just put on £11 overnight like that's nearly a stone how have I put on nearly a stone overnight
1: it's <laughs> I can people really get freaked out just madness isn't it yeah yeah
0: it's hard, and it's, hard it's hard not to worry sometimes like especially like say if you've been overweight before and scale weight has been kind of like a predominant measure or marker of your progress when you see it going backwards it's almost like naturally impossible to not worry about it like it's hard to, to kind of put it out of your mind and think no it's just a, a number of scales it doesn't mean anything I think there's always a little bit in the back of your mind where even though if you try and forget about it you kind of think oh I wish that happened or whatever
1: yeah, I still, I still get it I'm, now I don't care really like I oh that's interesting
0: no, I, I I would say I don't care, care, but there is a little tiny bit in the back of mine which maybe just like pinches a little bit and then I forget about it often. I'll just go on my day and then I'll never think about it again, but...
1: The measurements today as well, I'm in the same measurements, for so. hmm. In the, like, waist, hips. So I'm like, oh, whatever, I'm just heavier know. I'm just, I'm obviously huge, you know, compared to what I was. Huge, I've
0: obviously put on loads of muscle.
1: Yeah, all our muscle in, like, a... Uh, no.
0: Well, there's, probably, there's probably an element that you did mate because obviously the the glycogen storage and water will make your muscles bigger and fuller and heavier. So Technically you
1: lean body mass.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So which as we know you can full DEXA scans for exactly that way. You know, when a DEXA scan measures or estimates your lean body mass, um obviously people have gone in depleted and uh, dehydrated and then had a DEXA. Go in like literally you can go a day later and decrease your body fat percentage and up your lean body mass loads, even though, obviously, one day to next, you're clearly not done that physiologically, yep. probably because you've just filled up with glycogen and water.
1: That's why you see this, I when I've seen it before, it's like, oh, who was it? Oh, some fool on YouTube. Well, I've gained, it was something like, bear in mind, he was well-trained anyway. I've gained 20 pounds of muscle in a month, and again, what planet are you living on? Obviously, people are believing him because, well, people do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And he was just going, "Oh yes, yeah, a Dexa scan and again, yeah." And he could have gone in depleted, and then it's gone in like, like we've just discussed now, gained ten pound of twelve pound of water, and effectively gone. Yeah, I've gained, you know, that much lean body mass. Yeah. yeah. Guess my nerves. Yep. Yeah. People
0: will do anything to sell anything, include I recommend cyanide drinks. Which obviously we talked about it's, last last time. <laughs> they should have a month in jail, I think. Problem. well I don't know. Right, so. I don't know if that's a bit harsh, but maybe. Maybe. I, maybe. Suppose, I mean you could it feels a bit harsh, but then on the flip side is like if they are willing prepared or if that was a legitimate thing they had been kind of selling drinks with stuff that's that dangerous, which some of the detox, the detox type of stuff might be dangerous to some people. Maybe they should. Maybe it is that much that negligent and maybe they should see prison time.
1: I think so. But people people are, people are insane. I, human human race does does amaze me literally on a daily basis of the stupidity of some people. Like today, I'm back in the car, and when we live in a very obviously residential area, small roads with blind bends, some there's a car from around the corner, flying, probably doing forty, when it should be probably doing twenty. And there was three kids on the side of the road with their mother, I'm talking like four year old five-year-old and then <clears throat> obviously you beep and you go you do realize as you within choice words you do realize you just come on a corner flat out and you had three kids and the, the bloke's wife or girlfriend actually got out of the car and started shouting at the flimming um the mother with the three kids i'm thinking are these people on what planet are these people on oh. what planet are you on like I just, just, I don't know. It's bit of a rant there. Sorry, right, I'm just
0: getting hit by a rubber or a blow up hammer by summer.
1: That's fine.
0: Can you stop there, then, please? Hit him harder. No, don't hit me harder.
1: Yeah, hit him in the nose.
0: I say, yeah. We had a uh, Christmas game called sh- Destruction Charades or something like that. I don't know, but it's basically charades where you obviously have to. Um, do 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 your charades or, or whatever it is, but they can you spin a little spinner and then you get different types of ways of distracting you. And uh, one of the ways is getting smashed with a with a blow up hammer while you're trying to do obviously film three syllables or whatever. It's <laughs> good. <back>. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: it was quite funny to feel all there's like little little rubber balls you throw, or you can make like distract with noises and stuff. And or um, well, there's one we can do all of them. That was hilarious because obviously you just got let's just carnage of people shouting and throwing things and smacking you with I say these blow up hammer and yeah good game worth getting amusing he's amusing um, shall we uh, should we get on to topic so scale weight might come into it so obviously hopefully it's a nice little precursor we didn't do it on purpose but it kind of might go into some of the stuff that we already talk about um, this is your episode really Johnny this is obviously for you to lead so um,
1: I feel under pressure
0: oh, you can find out how easy it is to host this thing
1: I'm just going to I'm just going to go ahead and uh, get into it.
0: This is going to be right. interview style. Are you going to say, right, here are the questions? Here is question number one.
1: No. No. The word <laughs> the you've been conducting an experiment.
0: Yes, uh, a personal experiment, yes.
1: So the question is, what was this experiment, or what is this experiment?
0: Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, funny enough, it is, because we are <laughs> recording a podcast episode about it. Um, the experiment... So basically um, maybe I'll give a little bit of, uh, of kind of context and background prior to the experiment and then into the experiment so um, I guess we did I did a photo shoot in April 2018 um, that we obviously did through nonsense new nonsense nutrition if I can say that um, and then since then so April 18 I have for the predominant part of my macro cycle of both my nutrition and my training so obviously a macro being large the longer term so macrocycle is typically a year or longer um was basically a longer term goal of to build muscle so from april give or take a couple of mini cuts um or main or maintenance i think i had one one kind of mini cut and one maintenance phase leading up to matt stag do where um obviously wasn't the surplus the rest of the time i've pretty much been kind of like trying to mass um and obviously i've stuck to reasonably scientifically um accepted principles of like rates of gain like basically like usual tr- like obviously scientifically based training as you know you'd always want to do but in terms of like nutrition and rate to weight gain and stuff i've kind of stuck to around you know the the quarter half percent body weight per month um at a rate of gain just to try and make sure that i minimize as much fat gain as possible um at, but obviously still being a surplus to try and augment and, and help my training and grow as much muscle as i possibly can so, and that's basically been from April until October time. So what's that? That's about well, 18 months of nearly, I suppose, isn't it? Um, is that right? Yeah, it's about 18 months, isn't it? Yeah. Confirmed, Johnny. It is 18 months. <laughs> um, so that's a good amount of, of kind of like bulking time, really. Um, I'd say give or take a couple of minutes. Like, I think I probably had a four-week mini cut in there and... I can't remember how much the maintenance phase was, but two or three weeks maybe. And I don't think there's been any other dieting phase or stuff like that. So, you know, that's, let say, I feel that's quite a good, solid um, amount of time that I've dedicated to a bulking phase. If I know a lot of people hate that phrase, bulking, massing, but obviously like, I use it because people know what it is. So a time when I'm in a, in a calorie surplus and actively trying to put on body weight um, with the hope of it's mostly muscle and less body fat, although that's obviously quite difficult to determine really because we obviously don't you know we talked about dexa and we don't have even dexa really to to access to to basically have a good estimate of what we are what body weight we're putting on we kind of have to go with things like performance in the gym how we look um circumferences that type of stuff really scale weight for obviously actual just kind of general weight going on um so yeah that's that's obviously a bit of like pre-context so when it came to october I went away for a week an all inclusive uh, holiday and basically did what I usually do and just eat and drink and be merry. Um, When I got back, I was kind of like, I quite enjoyed the freedom. So I didn't track anything holiday, usually I like tracking, I like being kind of accurate with my calorie intake because as I said, I'm trying to force a specific weight, a rate, rate of weight gain, so to do that, I kind of don't want to be freeballing stuff. I don't want to be, um, or freewheeling stuff in terms of like guessing how much I'm eating. I kind of want to be a bit more accurate. So I was kind of not really listening to things like hunger signals, um, like using any of the intuitive in- eating principles or, or I've, I always try and at least implement like mindful techniques with myself and with my clients, regardless of whether they're tracking or not. So I do think a lot of those tools can be really, really useful, but, um, I, I, I kind of like don't always conform to them like all the time or as much as I should do when you track because obviously you're kind of overriding a lot of those things when you're tracking because whether you're hungry or not, to a certain extent, doesn't really matter because you're still eating to numbers. You're still eating to a plan that is set out on my pal or whatever tracking app you're using and not necessarily listening to like what you should eat or sorry, when you should eat and kind of what you fancy. Sometimes you're just eating like numbers to hit certain macro targets or you're hitting like just certain calorie
1: targets, so does that all makes sense so far. Yeah, that makes sense so far. Obviously, so I'm possibly, doing... does that really answer the way? Because you wanted the more freedom.
0: Um, kind of. So this is slightly inspired as well, I suppose, from the stuff uh, Stephanie Buttermore's been doing. So I don't know if anyone who's following or even Johnny Weber, you know who she is or much about her. Um, no idea about her. Okay, so she is a fitness YouTuber slash instagram influencer kind of thing she is the girlfriend of one jeff nippard who you probably know jeff nippard is um Mm -hmm. he obviously does uh the like some very good work in the fitness realm he's obviously a well he says natty bodybuilder i'm assuming that's the case he's just pretty massive so you know there's always questions around whether he's natty or not um but yeah, so so he does obviously like scientifically explained breakdowns of fitness topics. So he's got a, quite a big YouTube channel. But what Stephanie's been doing is, so she's I think been a chronic dieter all her life, like a lot of us. And for the last, I don't know how, when she started it, but she basically decided to take a point where she was going to stop restricting food intake, stop tracking. And she was basically going to allow herself to be completely free on I suppose what how much she eats, and I don't really know enough detail like what if it's kind of includes what she eats and stuff, but there's probably some rules principles or just kind of general eating principles that she tries to stick to, but basically the premise of her doing this was to allow herself to put on as much weight as her body needs to until it got to a point where it was kind of like naturally at a what you might consider we've talked about settle a settling point or a, or a set point. so obviously for those that don't know set point or settling point theory is the idea that your body has like a natural um, amount of body fat that it likes and if you kind of try to veer away from that through dieting or through overfeeding your body will work hard to get you back to that setting point the same way a thermostat works for heating so if you set the heating at 24 degrees if it gets too cold heating will pop on to try and bring it back up and obviously if it goes over it will turn off to bring it back down again that type of thing so it was interesting to watch her put on a lot of weight. I mean, like, obviously she was a very, very lean, super restricted kind of fitness girl, and she has transformed herself into a, um still, like, most people still look at her, I'd say, and say she's in a, a very healthy, um and a very, like, she looks good. She she obviously probably feels better because obviously more energy and stuff, but basically she's very healthy weight, but she has put on a lot of body fat compared to where she was pr- previously. So, which obviously a lot of people say is a positive thing. Now, I, I thought that was quite an interesting concept of like, we obviously all work quite hard to achieve the physique that we want. Sometimes it can go against what you might feel as natural. So if this set point thing does exist, it might go against what a lot of people's like naturally all the weight naturally sits at I think we've obviously talked enough about environment and the obesity epidemic and stuff and it kind of makes sense really that what am I trying to say kind of makes sense really that our bodies want us to be maybe heavier than we would like ourselves to be in this current environment so that's the difference maybe between a set point and a settling point The, the idea of a set point is that your body has like you know a set body fat Um, amount that it likes but settling point is more around that body fat level can change based on the environment so if you basically were in i don't know the middle of a jungle with no food your set point would probably be a lot lower in terms of the amount of body fat it would like compared to someone in the western world where you access to food all the time because your body gets used to the fact that you got a shit ton of food around you and it kind of will naturally change your set point or settling point i should say to to that so it's kind of like does that make sense Have i explained that very well
1: makes sense All right
0: makes sense. so so anyway so to cut a very 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 long short story short i was inspired to think i wonder where like my body would like to naturally sit um based on my own lifestyle what i do and there was obviously it was kind of multifaceted that was obviously like a question that i thought i was interested in but also because obviously, I guess like I got an idea of well, wouldn't it be like I was before I got into fitness and started di- like dieting or started weightlifting? But things obviously things change because obviously now I'm way more into weight training. Um, I've got far more behavioural things, add like behavioural change stuff, added to my my locker than than previously. So it'd be interesting to see how things have changed really in terms of if I kind of allowed myself to have far more freedom in what I was doing, far less restriction. What would happen? So and I guess there was also like the. The, the, why I say it's multifaceted because there's also elements of me thinking like yes I like the freedom of holiday it's a bit of an excuse maybe for me to carry on that freedom like I'll openly admit maybe it was just a, I'm justifying to myself a bit like allow myself to binge or allow myself to have complete freedom of eating and stuff like that there is probably an element of that um, but there's also an element of obviously it is quite from someone that's obviously been very restricted no restrained probably rather than restricted let's use the word restrained someone's been very restrained for long periods of time now since I've kind of been more educated about nutrition because there is an element of like a lot of us that don't naturally manage our appetites in the way we would like so we're not like a naturally lean person um, in air quotes there is always an element of you have to work and have some level of restraint you're never going to be able to kind of not feel like you're restraining or restricting because if you did that you would probably put on weight so it was basically a bit of like for someone that's done that for so long maybe I needed a bit of a break I don't know so there's all these things going in my head, basically why I did it. So I like the experiment idea. It kind of felt like, oh, you know, you know, I'll just try it for a while and see how I get on, and just kind of make some adjustments and just basically see, see, basically, it, it's almost like a bit of a test for myself. Like, could I get away without tracking? I like obviously haven't tracked food now for well since the first week in October.
1: So yeah, that was... even even though you're not tracking, you were still. I would say, very aware of the rough calories you're eating a day. You're going to know, right, I know this plate is probably this much. You might be wrong, as in, like, you might be 300 calories out. However, you've got to go ballpark of, I know at the end of the day, I'm between whatever.
0: Absolutely. And I suppose that, that, that... Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that that probably aligns with what I said around things have changed. Like, I obviously, previously, when... I didn't know anything about nutrition, wasn't really into fitness other than some exercise. Like I played football and stuff and I did go to the gym, but I had no idea what I was doing basically. Um, I guess I am a very different person now and I can't, t- I can't suddenly turn that off and go back. Obviously, like you say, if I look at food now, I kind of will always have a rough idea of how many calories are in it. And I can therefore, if I want to, loosely jot up in my head how much I've eaten over a day, yeah. like roughly. I might not be wholly accurate as you say, but I'm gonna have a bit of an idea.
1: You're gonna, you're gonna look at it if you're, you're still, I'm guessing, you're still you still weigh in and measure it and stuff, are you or you just weigh Most,
0: in? mostly there's been some days I haven't. Usually, it's because if I've had a, a particular day where it's been like either a particular binge has happened or you know I've kind of been particularly different, or it might just be a case of like today we've gone out for food and I know that the food choices that I've now had so we went to a burger restaurant earlier, um, I know that I'll weigh in. Heavier than maybe I should do, and it comes back to the conversation we already talked about your 11 pounds. I basically thought on some days I'm just won't bother weighing in those days because there's zero point because it's basically just dead data it's false data, it's not going to tell me what I want to tell me, so therefore, you know, it's an anomaly and I'm better off just not weighing it because the the, the only outcome it's going to be it's going to cause me anxiety because I might see a huge scale jump um, instead of. It doesn't really cause me anxiety because, you know, we've already discussed that. I, I do not really worry about it. There's a little element of like, oh, bloody hell, that's gone up. Maybe I didn't want that to happen. it would be nicer to see it stay as it was or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or even nicer to go down, even though I'm trying to put on weight and gain muscle, which has still been my goal, even throughout this. I've not been trying to diet throughout this at all. I've still been trying to gain gain weight and gain muscle throughout. I'm just trying to do it in a manner that isn't including tracking or restriction or restraint in any way. Um, but yeah, it, there is an element of in your head, you still... See the scale weight go up. and think oh, sometimes. Um, But going back to what I said, that's usually only literally while I'm on the scale. I can honestly say I get off the scale, walk out the door of the bathroom, and I'm like, I've forgotten about it already. Don't even look at it. But but anyway, to answer the actual question, yes, I've been kind of um, maintain. I've been kind of doing my weights most days. I think probably at least four times a week. So enough to get a good good reading what what my my weights have been doing. more of interest because I didn't want to just not do it and then not know. It was more like, well, if I'm doing this experiment, I kind of I need some data points. I need to know what's happening. And also, there's an element of like, obviously as well, if I'm getting like I can see in the mirror in terms of judging whether I'm I'm getting too fat or whatever else. And, that's, and obviously, if I want to call it a day, but the the scale weight is also another data point alongside that as well.
1: I think people listen as as well, all maybe all have dieted and are trying to gain some muscle after, a, a chronic, after di- chronically dying of their life, maybe maybe females, mostly females, you would think. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's also, when mentioned training, that what people should also do is, especially women, is if you're in the carry surplus for a prolonged period of time, which you will have to do as a natural athlete if you're using steroids is a totally different game, you need to focus on other things apart from weight and because obviously you will gain weight and you will gain water by blah blah blah. So you need to look at right in the gym now, in this last three months I've gone from squatting whatever a hundred K for eight. Now I can do hundred and ten for eight. So you know, right, this is working. I've I most likely have gained muscle because I'm heavier and I'm also stronger. So the chances are you have. So there's another Because people can get too focused on, no, I'm I'm heavier rather than actually I'm stronger in the gym. So I've probably gained muscle over that time. And I think it's a good way for people to take their mind off scale weight and measurements and focus it more on performance. Because if you're getting stronger, you are gaining muscle, especially if you're getting heavier as well.
0: Yeah, mostly. I mean, obviously there is some neurological stuff yeah. which could obviously help you increase more or put more weight in the bar and stuff. But over the longer term, especially in the higher rep ranges, so you said obviously like for eight or ten or whatever, um, if you're kind of putting on extra weight in the bar for that and you just kind of match your reps, you probably are gaining muscle in those rep ranges. You're going to see less neurological stuff at the higher rep range, and you are at, at lower stuff. So, yeah,
1: hundred percent. I think for you, because you know, right, I'm getting too fat there. And the performance doesn't, is not increase enough for me to justify keeping this level of weight gain going. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But I think that's, it does show the importance of either having knowledge yourself or having someone you can trust to go right actually, ooh, no, fine, your performance is that good. So this, you know, 1% a month weight gain is okay mm-hmm. because your performance is so good in the gym that it's all right because it fact, people, you know, especially in chronic, like most people will either. I've either been obese and I've lost weight. There's not many, it seems, that have always been a healthy weight, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. They find it those people will find it easy to gain weight. But people who've chronically died will find it harder to gain weight psychologically, even though it's is what they need. You know what I mean? Because chronically dieting is no good for kidney muscle. Mm. Right then. So how did you actually set the diet up? Did you tell yourself, right, I'm going to eat four meals a day, five meals a day, three meals a day, or I'm just going to see how it goes day to day. Whatever I do in the day, I'll work my food around my life.
0: Mm-hmm. More, There was absolutely no structure. So it was kind of more the latter, really. Um, when I say there's absolutely no structure, so basically I the, the main thing was I was going to allow myself literal freedom so i was going to basically say you've got complete enough permission to eat what i want when i want um but that being said there were some priorities that i would always have in mind in that you know the usual helpful type of eating that we would explain and try and promote everybody so i was still going to make sure that i focused mostly on whole foods where i could um or certainly at least get enough even if it wasn't even if focus is the wrong term but i still make sure i'm kind of getting enough like you know minimum five portions of fruit and veg a day protein at every meal um you know enough fiber those types of things but i was going to allow myself to basically have anything else I, I wanted or fancied um which i suppose it's, it's hard because obviously. I don't want to confuse anyone to confuse the experiment with like you did an intuitive eating experiment because this was not an intuitive eating experiment. This was not that in the slightest because obviously there are fundamentally principles of intuitive eating that you should be following, which I didn't. A lot, a lot of the stuff is kind of like mindfulness stuff. Which there are elements where I tried to be mindful, but I can't say that I was like mindful of everything because there were certainly times where I ate when I went hungry. There were certainly times where I ate food that I didn't even want, but the, the environment I was in, it was there. So it might be a case of like. There was just chocolate around, and I found myself eating chocolate. But I'll be honest; had I sat there and thought about it, I could have bought. Mm, I'm not really that bothered about this chocolate. I don't really want it, but I'm eating it, so I can't say like I don't want people to confuse and think, "Oh, Brett didn't intuitively experiment because experiment because that's not what it was at all. It was kind of more just a. I don't even really I don't even have a name for it. I don't even know what to call it because it was it was purely a case of just just having you know complete permission to eat almost like eating like a normal person <laughs> I, don't, I don't know it's weird that, it's, it's a funny one so, edu-
1: educated normal person I don't mean educated as in general education no, but edu- mean,
0: yeah, in terms of having some nutritional knowledge yeah
1: um, just listen to This and they want to try and oh, I'll eat what I want don't because it's, you're not eating what you want and you still got structure in your head if you've been if you're obese or very heavy in your diet and you think you can do this you can't yeah none of us harsh but you won't be able to because you haven't got the what you call it, maybe the the nutritional education or experience to be able to pull it off. Because, like we said earlier, in your head you know, I know I'm eating about this many calories. Like people who, who've never tracked will never know mm-hmm. how many calories this is Because you think, oh, granola's healthy. However, a big bowl of cereal is like eight hundred or something ridiculous or whatever. yeah. when someone thinks it's three hundred, so they're already, you know. Five hundred calories out of one meal. Yeah. Matter of five meals, you you're, you're gonna be in a bad place. however you know, you can do this, and be able to track things in your head and adjust things if necessary. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I I could, but I'll be honest. Like, maybe I give them their results away, but I don't. I don't think I did because, I, as, as I say, I was kind of almost purposely trying to let myself eat to whatever my body was always telling me to eat. And again, I don't want people to confuse that in like, oh, being intuitive eating, because that's not what intuitive eating is. Um but basically if I was hungry, I ate. If I fancied something, so like kind of the more hedonic style of eating, I had it. I didn't I didn't really very often basically say no to to if there was something I wanted. So I guess there's an element of there was some structure in that. I you know, I still had breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um just if there were snacks or what in between, I would basically have them. Um, I, t- I suppose, like, my breakfast, but it's okay. So maybe I'll go through some of my food choices, shall I, in terms of give a bit people a bit of an idea of what I was eating. So I would say, like, in terms of calorie-wise, I was probably consuming anywhere between three and 4,000 almost every day. So quite a lot. Have you? Uh I uh Well, I started this at about 180 pounds just under, I think, 179, something like that. So um, obviously not massively active, although I do hit 10,000 steps pretty much every day. Obviously I train five days a week. I would say my maintenance calories is about two and a half. So I was probably anywhere from a 500 to a 1,500 calorie surplus most days, if not every day.
1: It's quite substantial. Say again? It's quite substantial.
0: Yeah, not, not a small surplus by any stretch. Um, And obviously, if I was following the the scientific consensus, it was way over and above what I would recommend and what I was doing previously. So doing obviously up to October when I was trying to manage stuff kind of a bit more acutely, uh, accurately, um, I was obviously a lot slower weight gain than what I've now done. So that's why I said about am I giving the game away a little bit. But um, I must just say, so obviously I started that at 179 pounds in the second week in october so i think something like the i got back from holiday the 8th of october i don't really want to count the week while i was on holiday because obviously i just binged on hard like everyone else does in all inclusive but um i then weighed in this morning at 194 pounds so that is still only obviously a 15 pound increase but over three months that works out as a percentage of what uh three percent a month which is way over and above I, i'm I guess i just made that in my head that figure so i don't think i got it wrong but around that um that's quite obviously way over and above what we would say is because we would usually say a quarter and a half a pound per month so but, obviously well, i've gone i've overshot that by a long long way
1: yeah considerably but it's not that bad really is yeah, it you know i mean yeah but you know you can die it off
0: yeah but that wasn't the point of this experiment like no. Although there is always that, you know, I suppose one of the reasons I could go through with this is because I knew whatever the outcome is, it would be reasonably easy to reverse it. I mean, obviously the amount of um, weight I put on, as I just said, what was that, fourteen, fifteen pounds, whatever it is, I lost nearly twice that in the prep from um, January to April in the photo shoot prep. So, yeah, there's a lot in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I lost twenty over twenty-five pounds in that in that 16 weeks, whatever it was. So it isn't that difficult for me to, obviously, if I really decided, oh my God, this is the worst in the world, I need to change this. It wouldn't be that difficult. There is a bit of a dis- dissonance in my brain there because I've been enjoying training and the progress I've been seeing in terms of my performance in the gym and stuff, and even physically. Um, obviously, I don't want to halt that. And this experiment, there was always a bit in my head where like, what if I get too fat and have to diet quicker than I want to because I've got too fat, which is fundamentally an issue I've had most of my life or my, sorry, most of my fitness life. So when I've dieted and got to levels of body fat that I have thought that, you know, I'm really happy with that now, but I want to put on more muscle, I've probably, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, I've probably bulked too hard, too quick, and end up putting on body weight way faster than I, than I'd like to and have to diet quicker than I wanted to and I've said before that I I almost think that the time you're dieting and the time you're bulking is almost more important than the levels so like the, the time you're bulking is almost more important than whether you're in a 200 calorie surplus or a 500 calorie surplus obviously the less in the surplus you're in the longer you can bulk for which is why kind of you know they're not completely separate but I do think like the, it, the longer you're doing something, the more effective it is than it, than it is necessarily. Because you might say, well, why don't you bulk at 300 calories a day surplus, assuming everything else is equal, like training and stuff, for six months, or you could do 600 calories at three months and are the outcomes are the same? I don't think they will be. I will think you'll be better going at a slower rate because I think the time matters to a certain extent or it has more of an impact. It might be two differently, but I think you'd have more of an impact um, than then it would be obviously trying to go more aggressively and put them more weight. Plus, obviously, we've got some of the studies and the research, ev- all the evidence to, to go that, obviously, the amount of calories someone needs, 600 just overshot by fat anyway, in, in the research that we saw compared to, say, a 200-calorie group. So, by the by, obviously...
1: Anyway, sorry I'm rambling a bit. You only gain muscle at, at, at such a rate, and there's no Yeah, no, way no
0: exactly. Yeah. Reason, yeah. And, I, I, and I also think like a lot of the factors that could kind of go into hypertrophy so not necessarily just the direct stimulus, but the factors in terms of like how well you can train, the quality of your training, how your energy levels are, how you feel. A lot of that, I think, is that that all kind of breeds and, and improves and comes to fruition when you're in a surplus or when you're in a good place for a long time. Like, you can't go in and out of a bulk really quick and expect good results because your body just doesn't react that quick. You don't suddenly go into a surplus one day to the next and go, all oh, right, I'm going to gain muscle next, the next day I'm going to diet and I'm going to lose fat, then I'm going to gain muscle and lose fat. It's not that quick. You almost have to go through these periods, I think, where you allow your body to almost turn around and then settle into, and obviously your hormones all change and react and stuff, which then breeds, obviously, better outcomes in the longer run rather than trying to kind of go in and out of different phases too quickly. So... This is why, like, I would usually say, a, a slower period of bulking and less body fat for most
1: people is a better option. Even like a top pro bodybuilder, the top top tier will only do a show a year. Hmm. Well, not, not even oh.
0: that. Not even that. I suppose like the ones that might do a show a, a show a year are either one on drugs or two, they're at the peak of their career. Where I'll be honest, they're wasting their time even trying to bulk for two or three years because the results they're going to get from two or three years are so minuscule or minute that they might as well just do show year to year because they're not losing out on any gains because they're barely making it in that time anyway.
1: So yeah, people who've read my, it's obviously from, it comes from bodybuilding or you, a 16 week bulk, 16 week bulk. It's not enough. It's not long, it's not long enough. No, just, it, as, a, as a natural athlete, as, as an enhanced athlete. Yeah. All right. There are, you're using drugs that, you know, they'll
0: be building muscle while they're dieting,
1: you know? Yeah. So. Much, you know what I mean? But you know, a natural athlete can't, can't, can't do that. And even the, even the programs, even the people who write these, it's about pro- pros do this. They, they don't even do it. They don't even do that. Because they had, obviously they're at that peak of genetics and stuff. But none of them, they, they don't ferment in bulk for 16 weeks. They go for like, you know, they say I don't say that, they don't bulk as such. They, they die for like 12 weeks of the year before the show. So they're in a, they're in a surplus for like nine months. Yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the pros. Yeah, I mean,
0: they right like like natural people that aren't at the end of their like genetic capabilities um that still want to see good gains if they're dieting for half the year and trying to bolt for half the year you're definitely going to be losing that on progress um because you get some people that actually will diet for a show and their show might be in april and they end up going all the way through the season until november maybe or december so when the final shows are and then you know they get in and Go over Christmas, maybe eat a bit too much because they've restricted all year and they lose it a little bit, and then all of a sudden they're back into January and have to diet, start dieting again for the next season. It's like, well, you got two months of bulk in there, like that is not going to do you any good if you're, you know, you want to be a competitive bodybuilder.
1: Look at 3DMG, or I probably regard it as the best bodybuilding coaches there are for natural athletes, mm-hmm. and they they have people dying on diet on 34 week diets, yeah. So they pre they do a pre diet to the diet. Jeff, Jeff,
0: I think Jeff Alberts, and obviously he is in his like late mid to late forties. So obviously he is at his, you know, arguably, but a lot of people say you know he might still build some tissue, but he's obviously going to build the majority of the tissue he's ever going to. Um, he does like fifty. I'm sure he did like a fifty week diet for this this season he's just finished. Like he literally started like a year before almost.
1: I suppose then you giving yourself enough time. If you, may, I doubt he makes mistakes, but to go right, I know I've got. This holiday, da, 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 you know right, I'll go faster to you know to lose if they do plan yeah yeah.
0: because
1: you know then I need this if I want to lose X amount of weight on average per you know, per week. But I've got, I don't know, eight events that take me out of the game for a week a time. Well I can't maybe track as much as I could. He's taking those eight eight weeks into account and gonna actually just plan for a diet a bit longer than he normally would. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people don't need to plan that far in advance because most people are not going to ever step on stage.
0: So shall shall we, I mean, obviously, in terms of my plan then, so obviously that was kind of how I set it up. No, no, basically almost no rules other than just trying to adhere some general eating, but they were loose. Obviously, I had full permission to do what I wanted when I wanted, but inevitably I stuck with some behaviour, some behaviours that obviously were, were learned or I've been consistent with for a long time. So as I say, some regular meals and still tried to focus on getting at least, you know, and, a, and amount of whole foods that I need but I definitely overindulge in many stuff like especially because obviously I'm at home all the time you know I can we're going out we're going to cafes and stuff you know I'm not at work so I'm getting cake and I'm doing all the stuff like you would probably say is is not particularly great in terms of like an intuitive eating approach I've got to be eating lots of hyper palatable foods and processed foods that are going to be triggering reward systems left right and center and cause me to eat re- and I definitely definitely had that problem for the, you know, the first maybe four, six, eight weeks, maybe maybe four, six, eight weeks. I don't know, where, um, I my appetite was kind of okay. No, nothing. You know, I was I was never really like at any point like feeling hungry as as you'd expect really for someone that hasn't dieted in in well a year and a half almost. Um, the, the I suppose the the main issue really was kind of got to a point where. I was just starting to find myself naturally swaying away from those rules that I, or not rules, but those kind of priorities that I'd set myself, because all of a sudden I started like I didn't. The thought of eating something like the types of meals that I consistently eat day in day out just didn't feel that appetising or appealing to me any longer. Which I suppose again would would probably be logically expected. Um, but it it almost got to a point where if it was a lot of effort to make a specific type of food. just couldn't be bothered to do it because almost the reward
1: wasn't worth it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, it's been in, uh, a, a surplus for so long. So yeah, it's always
0: the other way around, Yeah, it was, it's, it's exactly the opposite the other way around. If you're dieting, it's almost like you're prepared to make anything if, it tastes, you know, if it'll taste good and it'll satiate you and you'll spend all the time in the world in the kitchen making stuff. Yeah. But I'd got to a point where I felt like the absolute opposite in that I... It, like your brain obviously we, you know, we've talked about this in terms of like Stephen Guine's work on obesity and some of the research that he links to in terms of reward centers in the brain and you know like there's the um, optimal foraging theory of um, where there's something a mechanism that's the hypothesis that you have a mechanism in your brain that basically assesses the work required for specific foods if you think of hunter-gatherers a hunter will basically work out is it worth going after that lion or is it better off to sidetrack off the hunt and go Find like a fucking uh buffalo. No, well, I was gonna actually well something else, but I was gonna say like a beehive full of honey, kind of thing, because obviously there's a shit ton of calories in that beehive, which is very easy to climb a tree and just drink basically. Um Whereas obviously he might have to spend four days trekking through off this you know buffalo line or whatever the hell he was gonna hunt almost, and obviously they they they, they they're gonna the they're not gonna spend a lot of time, like hunters are naturally not gonna spend a lot of time foraging for like low calorie lettuce. Um, because if it's a lot of effort and they get a very low reward back because it's fucking lettuce for Christ's sake, there's like almost no nutrients in it and no calories, they're better off like expending their time trying to go off to something with far more calorie dense and far more nutrition and, and obviously gonna support the survival. So this kind of plays in my head almost that I think this makes sense that as I was overfed not in any way worried about starvation or dying which obviously I know is ironic or funny thing to say in the western world but as you're overfeeding you're getting fatter your body's less worried about starvation all of a sudden like your reward systems are like nah that fucking plate of chicken, broccoli and rice ain't that appetizing, mate don't bother making it and almost that, naturally I just couldn't I genuinely couldn't be bothered to start making like what you consider healthful foods um, and I was just resorting to more and more like crap food basically because I couldn't bother to make it
1: makes sense Hmm.
0: I mean, and like the longer it's gone on, I've kind of like tried to check myself a bit, and I've I've kind of now compromised a little bit in that I'm just settling for like more convenient, healthful foods. So, like, obviously, lots of soup basically, and things that aren't like very, just sticking in my grave, very easy to make, like, not overly filling because obviously, I've also like got, as you'd expect, being overfed. I've got, I wouldn't say digestive issues, but I've like got no appetite most of the time. I don't feel hunger almost ever um as I say this kind of like reward systems like the types of foods that feel appetizing to me at all are always kind of like really hyper palatable stuff and never really much else but obviously I am trying to actively work against that to to make sure I'm still having some good nutrition and not just resorting to just shit food basically because I know obviously from a health perspective from my energy levels it's not going to really help so I'm kind of actively working against that almost um So I'm just eating like, as I say, soups, toasties that are reasonably easy to make and that are quite tasty. So they're worth. They're almost like, oh, they are at least, you know, they taste nice. So like a nice cheese toastie dipped in soup, that type of thing. So it's it's almost like a compromise where it's not the unhealthiest of meals. It's not really hard to make, um, and it just basically is enough to satisfy me. It's not overly filling, and like I'm not. I, I almost feel like I'm always eating, and I've always got food, even though I'm probably settled now to only having three meals a day. It's weird.
1: So yeah, like, this, I'm this
0: not, free meals. Yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not always eating. Like I'm not I'm literally not always eating, but I'm always digesting food because it feels like my digestive system is almost so slow nowadays because I'm just overfed for so long. Like I'll eat I'll like so if I go through some maybe some of the foods I'm eating. So like the eat like day to day. Got up this morning and I had a large bowl of Sultana bran. Um, like even now some of the, even the childy food like cereals just just they make me feel a bit sick. It's weird. Now, I don't know why this is, but I've suddenly gone from like I was eating porridge with like Reese's Cups in them and stuff for breakfast. Now I've started having like, or I started like I had like Cocoa Pops instead or other cereals. But now I even thought well, they make me feel a bit like oh, I don't, know, I don't really really want them. So I've been eating like almost healthy breakfasts, like in echoes healthy cereals. Um, like you said, not granola, but like fruit and fibre or like bran flakes or Sultana bran. Because to be honest, it feels like it's refreshing. That I was almost like that that refreshing. Not overly sweet or sickly kind of taste is like almost like appetising. I don't know why that is. Really, like I, I've got no explanation for that. It's weird, it's strange, isn't it? It is a bit strange, but I just I've been having like I say a big bowl of sultana bran and a protein shake for breakfast, and then food doesn't even enter my mind. And sometimes it can be twelve o'clock, one o'clock, and I'm going to train. I thinking, fuck I better actually eat something because obviously I know about to train. I'll be I'll be honest. I probably don't even need to eat for training because it's not like I'm. Um, probably low on glycogen or low on energy that I probably even need to worry too much about nutrient timing. But because I do want to get the most out of my train and I am trying to build muscle, I'm kind of forced to Well, I have something, even if it's a case of actually I better eat something for protein because I've not had any protein now for five hours, say, but I almost have to like re- remember to eat. And I've joked about that before. Like people say to me, Oh, I forgot to have a meal today. And I've, I've joked about in the podcast laughing saying, Haha, I can't believe you idiots ever forget to eat. Like I literally look at my watch after I've eaten my meal. When's my next meal coming? Um, and it's weird how now the shoes on the other foot. I generally like pfft, I can go five, six, seven hours and not even think about anything in terms of food, not even eating anything. It's impressive. It's a good. It's a nice place to be in terms of from when you're coming the, from dieting perspective. But obviously there are some negatives to it. In like I say, I always feel like I've got food in my stomach, even though i not. I don't eat all the time. Like I had, let's say. So let's just go back to the food I had: cereal, protein shake. Then I did have a small piece of Stalin before I went to the gym today. Um, and did I have any protein or not at all? I can't remember. I don't think I did actually today. So I think I then trained for two hours, did legs, and then came out and I had a tub of pea and ham soup from Tesco's, a protein bar, a little protein quark yogurt thing from Lidl, and an apple. So like it, I made sure I had like 50, 40, 50 grams of protein there from the soup, the bar, and the quark yogurt. And then you know, like there's some apple and the soup's obviously got peas in it. So it's you know We're definitely
1: just in the things you want to eat and do you think are going to taste nice? Like you you definitely not eating because you think, oh, that is the best option. You're thinking, yeah. I, and this is the combination because I want to eat this. Yeah, yes, I, I wouldn't eat.
0: The, the, basically, I've I've kind of set my environment up now to be like there, like like a soup is in the microwave for four minutes. So there's no prep it's just stuck in four minutes a bar I open a wrapper the yoghurt I open a wrapper so I'm not making anything like some days I will go to, have to like say to make a toasty or something but like they're not they're not foods that are like optimal because obviously you know a protein bar is not necessarily optimal even like the protein from I mean the obviously dairy is pretty obviously a good quality protein source but protein from fucking pea and ham soup or pea soup it was pea min. mint obviously like peas are not a full amino acid profile. so and obviously there's not a huge amount of fibre in that there are some micronutrients but you know not loads but so they're not they're by any stretch optimal but it's kind of like doing what I need it to do in terms of it's getting some calories in me it's reasonably tasty but it's not like junk food hyper palatable but it's tasty enough um, and it's kind of at least getting the protein box pretty much ticked for me and and like I say the main thing is just the fact that it's just convenient no, Fair
1: enough because you're getting so much you think oh I just can't be asked to cook all the time and what's convenient and easy to eat doesn't mm. need the calories and the protein in yeah.
0: i think i mean so obviously there's that and then i will sometimes have like i might have a couple of chocolate biscuits or something after if i'm feeling like i fancy something sweet Of a cup of tea often i'm influenced by the wife whether she wants something as well like she'll get a box of biscuits out or whatever else and they're sitting there and obviously i just give in and have them um she's funnily i've just walked in the room and now raised her eyebrows at me like but it is true um <laughs> she said it's you getting your picnic out <laughs> That's not. I've got a little picnic basket that's full of like junk food. <laughs> I might get that out at the night time, <laughs> but and then obviously to be fair, the one static that's generally been good most of the time is my evening meal. So my evening meal, I've just kind of almost continued, and it is effort, but like my evening meal is usually a protein source, at least two or three different vegetables, and then like a starch like potatoes or rice or something. So. You would, I would say at least my evening meal is like a standard, normal, like reasonably well-nutritiously nutritious, nutritiously balanced meal. Um, so that generally is then that. And I will then just sit down and get the picnic box out at night time and sit there and have like a cup of tea and something else. So I guess that like that isn't loads of food, but I'll tell you, it is easy to add, like in my head, I've added up the calories and stuff. It's like, well, you know, even two or three biscuits of like chocolate biscuits you're getting from Marks and Spencers, these boxes, they're like 100 calories a biscuit. So if I've had... 300 calories in a soup, 200 calorie protein bar, 100 calorie apple, 100 calorie yogurt, you know, that's still 700 calories in that lunch, even though it doesn't seem a lot. Yeah. Isn't it? Because it's like, you know, that's that thing. Fucking hell, what, really? 700 calories for a soup, protein bar, an apple, and a yogurt? Well, yeah, it is. So then if I had like three biscuits on, that's another, that's a thousand calories I've had at that lunchtime. And obviously, like the cereal in the morning, even though it's a big bowl of cereal, that might be four, 500 calories of milk. Protein shake, another 150, 200, depending on how much protein I end up shoving in. So I'm easily going like between five and 700 calories in breakfast, 1,000 calories at lunch sometimes. I might have a snack, like if I have a bit of cake in the afternoon, if we go out, and then a 500 cal- calorie meal, and then maybe five to seven, 800 calories at night time as, as like junk food in front
1: of the TV it's a fair few calories, isn't it
0: yeah well obviously you're probably thinking like where are you getting your three to four thousand calories from then but that is inevitably like how easy it is to eat that much without it being i mean don't be wrong like i could probably bring that down very easily by changing my mindset and my priorities going back to priorities and, and cutting down a amount of junk food to eat and all of a sudden i'd probably be struggling to eat three or four thousand calories like bad like really wouldn't be able to manage it but i can manage it the minute because of i'm allowing myself to eat those kind of foods that you know, you wouldn't normally allow on a diet say
1: so what's your overall experience being like throughout it I, I, double question yeah and what are you going to do long term with it what's your long term plan great question great question
0: great it's almost like I wrote it, no, it. and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't write it it was your question um, so like I guess like it's been really refreshing to not have to think about food um the flip side of that is obviously if someone does have really strong like goals or issues with their body then this may not be a good thing to try out because i think this is probably what i'm doing now is half the problem people have in managing the nutrition and therefore the physique they want because obviously i've put on quite a lot of weight you know in that time period i'm notice noticeably fatter in my um progress pictures and stuff um so that might not really sit well with people, so obviously that, but my experience has actually been like almost the opposite. This has obviously kind of almost made me not made me allowed me to kind of just push through it and maybe think, Do you know what I actually feel okay like I know i I look very different than I did eighteen well obviously, I look massively different than I did eighteen months nearly two years ago now, so obviously like being reasonably like very lean, not shredded, but very lean for the photo shoot to now being like. What I would consider very wobbly around a lot of bits, like all, you know, we, joke, yeah, very, I don't like the word fluffy, but yeah, very fluffy. Um, my abs have almost gone, which is obviously like a lot for me because obviously I do hold most of my body fat on my back. So obviously fuck knows what, like how bad that is. <laughs> but all my, all my clothes, are obviously a lot tighter, but I'm okay with it. That's the, the thing is I've genuinely got to a point where, do you know what? I'm actually all right. Now I don't know whether that's because of this experiment or I don't know if it's, the fact that I am now so far down my own personal fitness journey to cliche to use a cliche that I think inevitably people start out their fitness journey and they you know they have an ideal physique in mind and that's what they want to get and I think often people achieve that and they're like what's next?" and I think the longer you then go, you realize that that never mattered, and what matter is what mattered is the process the things it teaches you, the discipline it teaches you, and all the other stuff. And I think you then become more and more comfortable in your own body and your skin the longer you go on. And I think maybe that's what's happened to me is I'm now so far into my own fitness journey of 10 years probably um, that i am actually realise, do you know what? I, I'm very confident in my body even if it's not something that I would say is like my, my, my best physique or my optimal physique or whatever else. Um, I'm comfortable in it and I'm doing the things we said I'm focusing on the things that really matter like I'm enjoying my training I'm enjoying being strong in the gym like I'm PR in most weeks and stuff like that like well i say PR most weeks it's hard to know PRs unless you're doing like one rep max testing or testing on that type of stuff um or obviously like you can obviously PR in certain rep ranges and stuff but I'm not paying too much attention to it but I am literally progressing week on week on week so rather than say PR maybe I should use the word progressing but I'm like progressing as I want to in terms of like my structured progression plan is just following through to the T almost week in, week out. right? Like, and it has done now for months. That's a nice place to be in when you're going in and you're thinking, right, you know, I'm not reaching plateaus. I'm just kind of slowly edging this volume up, my, my obviously intensity up or as I'm planning, it's a nice place to be. I think that's something that I've learned throughout this in that you can, you can kind of develop more comfort and focus on the, the things that matter. Um, and then, the, obviously, the freedom in mind is has obviously been quite a big thing for me as well.
1: Like being being psychologically healthy with your training is definitely a good mm. place to be because you can get caught up in... or I Because when you start training, I think everyone's got an ideal physique in mind, especially men. I want to be like Arnold. You think, ooh. And until you're like three years deep, you think, oh, that's never going to fucking happen. No, no, <laughs> but no. I think you do accept and right? I just need to get to a place where I'm happy with how I look, knowing that I can't. So I think it does play into it as well. That if people start off thinking, I can be like that person. And 99.99% of us men cannot be like Arnold. Just Arnold Schwarzenegger, if enemies wondering. Mm-hmm. And you get to accept them, right, actually. I still can look really good. And then when you accept that you are you, and you can just beat you and be the best you, then I think you're in a good place now and then enables you to do what you're doing now and will actually, no, I'm not, you know, <clears throat> sent being stone shredded. However, I still look good. I'm psychologically healthy and I got a good, uh, relationship with food. Yeah. It's a good place.
0: That is definitely a big place. Like I've definitely, in terms of like, like food doesn't matter to me anymore. Like, um, as I say, like there's very, there's foods where I would have literally like bitten my arm off to have to like, oh my God, you know, like this, you know, this, Special food in a market stall. Say, if you go like like Christmas fair and you see like fucking some bubble wrap waffle thing with all the goodness in it, like that sort of thing, you think oh, I only wish I could have that. Like I I, I, could, I walk past now and think that doesn't even interest me. And obviously, that's a weird place to be because obviously, th- I've not really ever been in that place before. Now, obviously, a lot of this will probably relate to my body fatness. So, the, obviously, the amount of body fat I hold. I guess there's you know like leptin and ghrelin and a lot of the other hormones that regulate appetite. They're so far skewed over and above, obviously being heavier than I've ever been, probably. Um, that that uh, it obviously just means that I no longer have the appetite for that type of stuff. I also wonder, like, how much of it is psychologically as well. I don't know. It's interesting to kind of think about it, but obviously I don't know the answer to that. But...
1: So, didn't like it when you say I, I'm not going to have chocolate, we we'll clear chocolate, not That's yeah. why, obviously, flexed it where you actually you can eat. There's nothing off limits, and then people tend to find it easier, don't they? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they just decide they're not going to eat it, but they are allowed it. Yeah. <clears throat> it was the same the other way around, didn't it?
0: Yeah, and I suppose this like bring it back to like the set point stuff. So if I'm over my set point, then say, and that that's why my body's almost fighting back. um This it kind of shows you really like, I'm I'm maybe experiencing what a lot of people that are naturally leaner experience you know like we always laugh about in fact he he messaged me today actually dan did Dan Meek. we laugh at dan saying like he's basically got the appetite of a pigeon um because he just can never put on weight because he just his body just doesn't want him to eat he just got never got any appetite to eat um he messaged me about saying welcome to the i can't remember what he said now but like welcome to the club or something like that basically saying you know that's how he feels and that is, that is true actually like there are probably people like him or there are definitely many people like him that struggle to put on weight because they naturally just never want to eat
1: yeah that's true but I suppose there is ways around it like liquid calories yeah oh. exactly
0: They got you've almost got to do, they've got to do the anti-diet stuff they've got to do all the things like you said liquid calories and hyperpalatable stuff to, to get more calories down them but all I'm saying is in terms of like their effort levels in in moving away from their set point is obviously hard for them even though they're lean because that's just where their, their almost set point naturally is
1: yeah that's true I think they've got to be I think you've got to have a certain mentality as well to force to feed yourself and to make sure you don't develop a poor <clears throat> relationship with food. Mm. I mean, because I think... Because that could happen and some people are going to They could eat so much that they just get a poor relationship with food yeah. with it's
0: it, So related to my experience, I mean, I don't know... I, I would say obviously I've got a, a good relationship with food now. Um, certainly because most of it just doesn't appeal to me. So that would probably be quite a good <laughs> relationship. But then... Who's to say that if I don't go back into dieting after a couple of weeks, my appetite comes back and all of a sudden things do become more attractive? I don't know. Who knows?
1: It probably will. It probably find it probably come back very sharpish now when you restrict, right? Then going away and am for whatever, nineteen hundred calories. You can go pretty sharpish. You can go, oh, I fancy that uh, whatever, two hundred calorie biscuit. You think, oh, but do I? Can I just have eaten that now? Yeah. <clears throat> I suppose you get that. You go to that phase where. I'm on whatever 1900 calories. I can't justify eating that. And then over time then, you start to crave that food because you think, oh, I can't really justify eating 200 calories Obviously, mm-hmm. a tiny biscuit. That's not going to really mm-hmm. affect my appetite in any positive way whatsoever. Maybe that's become my whole wife, I crave that now. I fancy her.
0: So, just, I answer? I never actually answered your second part of the question so it's a longer plan. So, I suppose in my head, Christmas was a natural kind of like checkpoint for me. So, I was, I was always thinking like if I can push it through to Christmas, basically if, if I don't get overly fat in the first, like from October, November, which there were points where I thought, oh, I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to see this through till Christmas, but I think I I kind of almost accepted, you know, like the progress, or, or not the progress, the, the rate of weight gain that I had, and was kind of like, no, it's fine, like Christmas is okay, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm 250 pounds, you know, I'm still only 180, in the mid 180s. So I managed to push it through to Christmas, and Christmas came as almost like a natural checkpoint, So I'll be honest, I haven't got an answer to what the longer term goal is because I have got some, what I've alluded to already, some issues in that I want to continue this experiment and see how it goes um, because part of me doesn't want to stop the progression I've had in my training, which when you go into a dieting phase, okay, you can still progress when you're dieting. We're not saying that, obviously, you're not gonna build any muscle. We're not saying that, or it's impossible to build muscle, I should say. We're not saying that you still can't progress in your training, but obviously it is a lot harder. When you suddenly go into a dieting phase, you've got less substrates available. It is obviously makes training a lot bit harder, and and often a lot of the you know your training adaptations have to change, um, or your training models have to change in line with a diet in terms of maybe reduce volume a bit, and even sometimes you know depend upon how you, you, your kind of performance goes, even some of the intensity. So there's that part of me which I think I don't want to kind of that to happen. I don't want to like slow down progression or stop progression, but Obviously, as well, there is there is an element of me thinking that I have now almost two years of bulking. I'd be like the thought of getting shredded or lean again does make me you know ooh, appeals to a little bit. I wouldn't mind it. So I suppose it depends what happens. Um, there is also <laughs> an element of the whole digestive issues and stuff in terms of like feeling full all the time. Um, I've said when I've trained sometimes, I've had like a bowl of cereal and then like trained an hour and a bit later and I've felt sick training because it just hasn't digested. It's almost like my digestion has slowed down a lot because, you know, I, I wouldn't even say it because like loads of food I'm eating all the time, but for some reason, this digestion just seems slower.
1: Yeah, if you are feeling like out the gym, you just, your performance is crap, is anything, bro.
0: Yeah, well, is it, I don't think it's really affected performance too much, but it hasn't it hasn't made it as comfortable as you know. I, it's not made it optimal. It's not made it like oh, I feel really energetic. I've I've had to like suffer through some training sessions sometimes, but I don't think it's like made my sessions really bad or poor because I've still made progression. I've just there's a few times I'm like oh, you know I've burped up a bit. I don't want to burp up when I'm training or I've just felt a bit swishy and whoa. Yeah. So which yeah. Uh, obviously it's not like, I've eaten, like I say it's not like I had massive meals. Like, it's just a bowl of fucking cereal, but it just doesn't seem to want to disappear quick.
1: Yeah, I know what I mean. Here's a question. If you kept, let's say now, you decided, right, I'm not going to stop yet, <clears throat> and you keep pr in on most of your lifts every month, would you then, if I said you, you can only stop doing what you're doing now when you don't progress across one month to the next? Would you go, right, as long as I'm progressing every month and I'm gaining weight on the bar, on the dumbbell, or whatever. Would you be happy to go indefinitely until that stops? <laughs> because obviously, there's only a certain level of strength that you're going to get. To yeah, all. I don't, I, I don't Jeanette.
0: know. I don't know because that would imply that I have almost no consideration for my visual physique, which is not true. Because I do obviously like I don't want to keep getting fatter and fatter. Um, because there are times where, like you know, we all have moments where I look in the mirror and think, oh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't consider I look brilliant. Although most of the time, I'm still okay. Like, I'm acceptance almost, rather than... So It's not like I look in the mirror and think I like how I look. But I do look in the mirror and sometimes accept how I look, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, you could accept it. What you're doing, I can accept looking like I do.
0: Yeah, based on what I'm doing, yeah. So... Yeah, I, obviously that's not going to be forever. Like I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't see my pushing my body weight up and up and up and up and it still being like that. There's obviously going to come to a point where I feel like, no, I, I feel grotesque or, or I feel disgusting or whatever. It's probably going to get to a point where I'm just not comfortable enough to carry on doing it, I'm sure. Where that would be, I don't know. I might guess it might be 200 pounds. Know, I don't know. Which obviously I'm not far off. I need six pounds off that. Um, or I might put on six pounds and think, no, I still actually feel all right. Because I think that's probably how it's been. I've kind of had moments between certain milestones where I thought, oh, no, I'm never going to make it to, say, 190 and feel okay. And I got to 190 and actually thought, no, I actually feel all right. Um, So I don't know. I don't know how long it will go for how long. I mean, it might just depend on what opportunity comes up. So obviously we've hinted about running another photo shoot project. Something like that might just be enough to convince me to just go, do you know what, I'll call it an end here and jump on board with something like that. I don't know.
1: That's fair enough.
0: Yeah. Because I suppose, like, again, going back to the original why of this, I kind of thought that the most likely reason I would stop this is because my body reaches a plateau and my weight would stop going up um, naturally, as in, like, my intake, my food intake would level out compared to and just maintain my body weight. My Like, the amount of food I naturally want to eat would just maintain. That hasn't really shown any signs. There's been moments where it looked like it might be slowing down, but then sometimes it then peaks again. So... That hasn't really shown any signs that I'm really going to like reach my set point. Say, although like I say, the appetite stuff and the things would suggest otherwise, and that I am over my set point, but then I might be overriding that set point because of the foods I'm allowing myself to eat like shit food. Like if I basically stuck to a whole food diet, I might have plateaued and reached my set point and not like pushed over and above ages ago. And my body weight might have settled ages ago, like five, 10 pounds ago. I don't know.
1: But. Well, there's a big difference between eating and cold clean all the time. Mm. And you allow yourself, you know, hyperparatal foods. It's much harder to gain if you would purely just go on, right? I'm only going to stick to, you know, lean meats, which you wouldn't do in a bulk, really, would you? Because it's just be putting something into an old straight away. I'm only eating chicken, turkey, veg, rice, potatoes. It's like, well, that's a lot harder than going, yeah, I'll base 70% of my meals around that. However, I will have, like, granola. I will have bread honey bit of chocolate which is easy to eat easy to consume and easier to slam calories in
0: yeah. or a mince pie every day since like mid-october
1: <laughs> is basically what i've done that's fair Were they were they 90 200 calories ago were they yeah
0: two, between 250 depends what brand i buy
1: so the questions of appetite and when you think it will stop you've pretty much answered yeah yeah um if,
0: if it was down to appetite i'd have stopped now i think because as I say, my actual appetite so I just want to establish the dip like if it's for homeostatic appetite, i.e. like the appetite that makes you want to eat to maintain your body weight, I think on way over beyond that, the hedonic like appetite in terms of the types of eating you eat purely for pleasure, that's still okay for the most part. I'm still eating foods for pleasure. Um in fact they need to be pleasurable for me to eat
1: them almost. You get like what you mentioned earlier about not wanting to eat and stuff. It's when I had it after Christmas and Boxing, you feel so bloated. But imagine I, I'd hate it to feel right. You feel like that, but because you struggle to get you have to eat again in the morning. Like for me, I ha- I didn't eat all the morning because I I felt bloated and horrible. Yeah. Imagine, ha- imagine having to force yourself to eat again. There are
0: times, there are times where I'm like that. Basically, now that's what I, that's kind of some of the stuff I'm talking about. It's not all the time, but there are some moments where like I feel a bit like that at lunchtime. But I know I need to get a protein serving in, so it's kind of like. Oh. And I could just have a protein shake, which sometimes I do, and obviously, but even then, like drinking a protein shake on top of it, liquid sometimes would be the worst. Sometimes just Ooh. drinking a load of liquid is worse than eating, you know, like some actual protein, but it just sits on top, it feels like. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I know what I mean. I've had that before. It's like, oh, not very nice, like really. and negatives from what, from what from the experiment, right? Really?
0: Yeah, well, I think I've done a lot of it already. I think like the, the freeness in mindset, the, strengthen PRs in the gym, you know, being able to really focus on training and, and fuel my training without even have to consider other outcomes. Because obviously one of the, the conundrums you have dieting is how do I how do I f- like almost fund my training performance through, you know, nutrition and nutrient timing without ruining my overall diet. I.e. you know, if I eat too much more training and I've got no food the rest of the day, can I stick to my diet? That can be a problem when you're dieting. Obviously I've, that, I've got none of that because I'm just eating like fucking hell, like us say, I'm having a bowl of cereal and then I'm just like stuffing down a massive piece of like cake or stolen or something before training, just to make sure I eat something so that I get the best out of my training. Still, so that's like a positive thing. Um, not having to think about that, and obviously like the PR stuff, um, flexibility, social occasions, never having to say no to like your family. That's that's obviously a, a quite a big thing, um, and just like the whole overall freedom is the reason why I started it. I guess they're mostly the positive stuff. The negatives are like the feeling of nausea sometimes, the overfeeling, the feeling like it's a chore to make food. Um, I suppose one negative is that, and I haven't really talked about this, but I did track a couple of days um, sporadically every now and then because I got the impression, it, it basically came about one week where I trained, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast, but I trained and I was like uber sore, like really sore, like over and above sore than I could ever imagine I thought I'd be. And I remember it being, it was a week after a deload, um, but the amount of soreness I had was so bad that I just couldn't attribute it just purely from the new stimulus effect because obviously deload lower volumes and like obviously low intensity, and then coming a week back sometimes I do get a bit sore my first week of a of a mesocycle, but this was over and above I couldn't really picture or or put on why like my I was so so sore, and part of me thought I wonder whether it's because I 'm just maybe not recovering enough because I 'm not eating enough protein, and I did track a couple of days where I was like actually I am under eating, so obviously for most part we would we would recommend around the higher end anyway one gram per pound or 2.2 grams per kilo all right so one gram per pound would be around the you know 180 i was probably eating about 120 like i basically i kind of like logged in like a, a, a days of the type of stuff i was eating and realized actually even though i'm eating three thousand plus calories the amount of protein i'm actually eating is quite low because i'm probably having three meals of 40 calories of like protein that's it so those obviously like a negative part might be seen like even though I'm educated and even though that I've kind of got maybe like enough nutrition knowledge, you think that might not happen it's very easy to fall into the trap of you know like I thought I was getting enough protein because I was making sure all my meals had 40 grams of protein but then I kind of loosely forgot if I only having three meals actually that's only 120 grams of protein, and obviously a lot of the residual protein and other stuff that i may be eating in snacks just isn't good enough to do anything because it's low, low quality, poor amino acid profiles, or just not enough.
1: I use a question for you then: for most people, <clears throat> could you, knowing what we know about optimal muscle gain, like you know, meal frequency mm-hmm. potentially makes a difference across, you know, building muscle, leucine, um, getting leucine in, enough protein, protein, blah blah blah. Do you think it's possible for someone to gain muscle optimally? while poorly eating to, uh, like doing exactly what you are doing, eating to how you want to eat, not how you should eat for most people.
0: I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I don't think the evidence is really there to say because obviously we just don't have long-term like outcome or mechanistic outcomes. We have mechanistic studies for like MPS, or so muscle protein synthesis or synthetic rates, Um which would obviously suggest that you need to stimulate like, you basically have to have protein in terms of, not, obviously you have the optimal training, assuming that's all in place, but then obviously for optimality, you would then want to have you know, four, five, six protein feedings over that day um, spaced three, four, five hours apart, say. So I would say if you're free winning it like I was then and that isn't happening, then no, I wouldn't say it is optimal, but we don't really know, like th- that's just mechanistically what we would expect. There obviously aren't any studies that, that replicate this over longer term to see if people actually did grow muscle so you know we're kind of guessing aren't we i suppose is the, is the point i'm making i would probably say like based on the mechanistic stuff then no i don't think it would be optimal um but some people might be able to I, I guess it just depends on how you set up your diet and and what your natural like types of patterns are and i thought i was being smart and using my education by having you know like protein of every meal thought that would be enough to cover it but turns out that actually i wasn't conscious enough to to do it and i ended up when i did then track it being short so mm. i would expect if i do that most people would like 100%. basically people that aren't are aren't as educated in nutrition would
1: 100% well to doubt yeah
0: but on the flip side there is an argument that you need less protein when you're in that much of a surplus because you're at less risk of muscle protein breakdown and stuff and obviously like muscle the muscle protein synthesis is is stronger when you're in a surplus than it is obviously it's, it's dulled when what's the word dulled? dulled i can't think of the more fancy word for dulled. but basically the 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 mps response of a protein feeding when you're in a deficit isn't as pronounced as one is when you're in a surplus which is why also again it's harder to build muscle in a diet dieting than it is in a surplus but so yeah so i guess like if because i'm overeating so much maybe i don't even need 180 grams 200 grams of protein maybe 120 is enough but I, the reason I kind of like I say originally came about that is because I had that one week of where my, like, I did legs and I'll be honest I couldn't even walk for three days it was that bad and I haven't felt that bad in, in years so I was like something's going on here and I just I was kind of running through all the scenarios what it might be in terms of why I'm so sore um, and that was just one of the other things that I thought about and that caused me to just check how much protein I was eating and obviously I wasn't eating what I would usually recommend as enough so mm, that's fair Um yeah.
1: Last question. and Warner? Or should I ask the final question? i just
0: just because there's any more negatives, but most of the negatives are the appetite stuff and the nausea, obviously said about the protein, and then potentially like the the body image stuff. So whether you're comfortable in, you know, the amount of body fat you might potentially gain. Um, But then on the flip side, that also might help. I don't know. So I think gaining that body fat might make you realise that it actually doesn't matter, you know? But then it's obviously that's such an individual thing in terms of their own their own psychology, in terms of their relationships with their body and stuff like that. So, mm.
1: so would you do it again and would you use it with clients?
0: <sighs> do you know what? This so I've I've I suppose I've always been quite a pro tracker. And not in that like I oh you must track if you work with me, you track. 'Cause that is by far like I have more non tracking clients than I do tracking. Um I also have clients that go periods of tracking and periods of not tracking. Um I have clients that obviously have trapped, have not tracked, have gone back to tracking, have not tracked. So but I do I am the type of person that I think like your body your bo- your body's accurate in terms of like you might not count calories your body do, your body does. So if you want to be optimal, you probably do want to have a really good idea of what you're putting in to, to basically reach your your goal as optimally as possible. So that's why sometimes I would probably lean more towards tracking. What I would say, maybe this has made me feel like some of, for some people, or maybe maybe more people, I don't know, it, the, the freedom might be a really important thing or might be a really positive thing. So maybe not actually important, might not be a word, but it might be an actual really positive thing. So, and it does show me that you can do it. But I think I would obviously have to make a few tweaks. So for me, I would obviously have to try and somehow make those priorities more prominent and rely less on like, so So obviously this, this whole experiment was around pure permission and no restriction. I think I would probably start to implement a bit of restriction in some way. So therefore like these, the kind of priorities I talked about in terms of nutrition would have to be more prominent because I think one of the things that has Probably meant I put on more weight than I than, than I needed to, is because I allowed myself more shit food basically than I should do, for most people. Um, and I think that's if if like basically managing the amount of body weight I put on was a goal, as in terms of not overdoing it. I think that's fundamentally why this would have failed if that was the priority. It wasn't my priority in this experiment, to be fair. So I guess like it hasn't really matter because that wasn't what I was trying to do. But if it was something that you would use with clients um then brilliant i think obviously like this type of experiment would be great for someone with like potential eating disorders obviously we don't work necessarily with or not it's not on their own anyway we don't we don't work with people with eating disorders because obviously we're not clinicians um we'd only work with obviously with a you know in partnership with a with an actual clinician um but i think this is the type of practice that maybe they would that a lot of people that treat eating disorders might use so obviously they they go in a different way probably massively different way of implementing it than I did obviously I just chose to do it or someone with eating sort of can't just choose to do it um, but I guess like obviously that would help with that type of thing potentially in, in allowing people freedom to eat and experiment and, and stuff like that I don't know I'm kind of waffling a bit in that area I suppose but um but yeah now I think I obviously I would do it again I would just I say make the few tweaks um I'll be honest there are times where I've used this almost with clients but just maybe not to this extreme so for this amount of time I'll probably use it more with shorter periods so this type of approach to things can work really well with holidays um, holiday periods like Christmas and stuff where you want to set some priorities and rules but you want people to have the freedom to enjoy their social times so yes. I suppose in a certain way we do I probably already do use it but just not to the extreme or extent that I've done now where it's like full on no restriction and for obviously now three over three months which is obviously quite doesn't sound like a lot of time but Obviously, you can do. You can put on a lot of body weight in that time if if you oh, if you show no restriction whatsoever. So, so
1: you can get which, you are, which I have. So, yeah, because you can get a lot of weight in three months. I think it it it, it, it will work with certain clients, but you you obviously have to know a bit about the client, you, to to be able to <clears throat> give them that sort of approach, and then but obviously give out give <clears throat> almost like loose guidelines. You know, if you gain
0: well, not seem loose. Maybe strict, almost to a certain extent.
1: Mm. I think, for for people they would need, some sort of if they were going to track and they're going to eat to how they felt, that you'd have to go. It would, there would have to be other things in place so you could stop them yeah. going too far.
0: I I think I think if I was to use this with, with like more specifically, like what I've done, but with clients, the tweaks I would do is probably align it way way more with the intuitive eating style of approach in terms of like implementing like strict mindful eating of practices um, and that type of stuff and then obviously the rules around I would because the thing with intuitive eating is you're not you you have no food rules so you can't really call this intuitive eating because obviously you can't have a food rule of that you have to have protein every meal or you have to eat vegetables that's not how intuitive eating works Um, intuitive eating there aren't supposed to be zero food rules Um, but I think you can, you don't have, I hate boxes. I don't like, like, you know, this is why you would talk about anti-diet so much and different, like, extremes. I hate extremes. I hate having the box shit. I like to be able to go, that's really good, but that bit of it isn't very good. So I'm going to take the good bit and I'm going to apply it with my other stuff that I do and we're going to have our own holistic approach rather than, yeah. you know, it has to be anti-diet or it has to be intuitive eating. And I think you could take some of those principles but still align some, like, you know, some, some rules and say, like, this is... Like you can, you can have restraint. Like you can be free. You can have no like, like a, a, rest, a less restrained approach. Probably let's put it that way. Like an, an informed eating approach. In terms to 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 coin a phrase from Big Nick from um, ah, oh, what was there? Fuck, can't think of that company name. Anyway, Big Big uh, Big Nick, uh, another fitness coach. We were chatting to him once, and we we were kind of joking around, and we came up with what well, between uh, he came up with it really, but it was I think it was sparked from our debate. Um, uh, uh, instead of intuitive eating and stuff like that we came up with a term like it called informed eating which is basically intuitive eating but with these principles and stuff we talked about so that's really I think a good way to put it I'd probably use a more informed eating approach where people use their education still have some rules they have to follow but they're far freer and more flexible than than you know maybe a lot of the other approaches that are like tracking and stuff so
1: yeah it's a good way of doing it yeah
0: um, and so- I, I kind of feel like I just want to underline a couple of things that might have been lost in the ramble so like the point of the experiment around why I did it was partly and a lot of it to do with like my finding my set point which I suppose like as a conclusion I don't know whether I can answer whether I found it because a lot of the things you would say that would imply I have found it like my appetite and stuff I would say yes I you know I'm, I'm probably now over my set point my body's trying to fight back a bit but then on the flip side is I'm still putting on weight which then kind of is a bit of a counter argument to me saying that um and like i say that's probably down to the fact that i'm still pushing up my settling point because of the food environment i've created by allowing myself to eat all the shit food so hopefully that's kind of like concluded it a bit in terms of what experiment point was and where i'm at with it and obviously it hasn't ended yet because obviously i've not finished so
1: it'd be interesting to see when you do finish and yeah. what the result is
0: I don't think it would be far off to be honest. I don't know. I think just purely the appetite stuff and the the bit the being sick of food is probably getting to a point now where I'm, a diet feels quite nice. Dare I say it? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Sorry, it. I do Yeah,
0: but then like I said I might be two weeks into a diet and think fuck that I wish I'd go back to this again
1: (laughs) (laughs) last thing you always want someone you can't have at the time
0: or or maybe the next one should be let's try and reverse this and you know not track during a diet and and see how I can get on and just you know maybe come up with another type of I don't want to say non tracking diet because obviously I've done it before, I've done it with clients, so it's not like it's not it wouldn't be a big surprise or a big experiment, but maybe some other type of experiment that fits in these types of principles but weight loss and stuff.
1: You can control absolutely control your food environment by your, you know you just don't buy chocolate, you don't buy snacks, you don't buy alcohol, you don't buy higher calorie foods. You could do it then because you'd have to deliberately go out either way to go and find something high calorie if you yeah. create it was easy to do if you can ultimately control your food environment
0: yeah well that's, that's what I say maybe that's the next experiment not have any like restraint on food intake and calorie intake uh, per se but maybe it is a case of actually the experiment will be right let's see what your set point or settling point is if you manage your environment as in I don't allow myself for that shit food. I don't bother shit food. I don't go out to cafes and eat cake and fucking everything else that I've been doing. So, and then see what happens then. Do I start to, will I naturally just start to lose weight? Who knows.
1: Probably. You will I think you will drop from where you are.
0: Yeah, cuz I do believe I am over my set point and I think the reason that I'm not losing weight is because of like I say this the environment that I've set I've kind of created for myself. So, interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, these things are interesting. They, they
0: expect. Was, well, it's been an hour and a half's worth of chat, my friends. So hopefully, people find it. In- oh, we've obviously found it interesting, hence we've gone on for this long. But um,
1: it's been an interesting conversation.
0: Yeah, almost. yeah. Um, I'm not looking forward to trying to put on a suit though anytime soon because um, I'm not sure I'm going to fit into any of them.
1: <laughs> I'm big, I'm so i
0: bigger Well, obviously, uh, I go back to my corporate job in a few weeks, and I'm going to have to try and put on a suit that I haven't worn in seven months. This could be interesting.
1: <laughs> be interesting, you probably will have to get another suit uh
0: well, there is every uh, every chance of that, um, or i better go on a quick three week crash diet
1: and <laughs> <laughs> lose like ten pounds
0: if I could well to be fair mate, that wouldn't actually be that hard, i think three weeks ten pounds I think at the point I'm at the minute, ten pound would be quite reasonable in the first three weeks,
1: yeah, you
0: should be all right, I shouldn't it yeah, so um who knows i know, I'm joking around really,
1: but yeah new suit probably
0: right on that note mate unless you've got any more questions I've, I've said I really enjoyed that thank you for letting me talk about my experiment. obviously we've been saying we would do it for a little while but um, hopefully the listeners found it useful and a, a bit of an insight into a different different topic I suppose or a different thing
1: definitely interesting So, uh, yeah. something uh, people to look at and question themselves about it
0: <clears throat> if anyone does have any other questions that I didn't answer feel free to uh, get in touch so email or whatever Instagram blah 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 don't forget you eat lean codes NNN 10 lol <laughs> cheeky plug get that out there if anyone wants to save any money on cheese
1: um, I think that's I think that's fine to plug cheese
0: yeah I haven't talked about it in ages like not at least since the last episode
1: so there get it in yeah eat lean right With my that.
0: friend um the sadios, off shall we then signing off All Right. boil
1: see you in a bit see you in a bit bud. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.